Hey, you like cars? Well, so do I. Take a seat real quick. You're listening to Car Quicks. Yeah, it's me, and I'm back. Another podcast episode is Car Quicks episode. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm starting this off wrong. You know what I'm missing. Pow, yow. Episode 18, Car Quicks. That wasn't a good, That was. that's a better snap today. <laughs> a, little, a little shaky. It's been a minute. A little down on the weather, a little sick, but you know, I bounced back. And now we're here to talk about some car news. And you know, I don't waste no time. I jump right into it. There's some good stuff this week. There's a lot of cool things that happen, a lot of cool information, a lot of records being broken. That might have been like last week compared to this week, but whatever. We're here now. So welcome, like the subscription to the channel. Just come through. Come through and enjoy what we're doing here. But to just start this off, let's just get straight into it. And I'm going to shoot a short on this. I'm really not going to spend too much time on it. But Remak or Remots, as they say, because it's Croatian. That's how I was told it said. So if it says something else, don't blame me. Blame your mom. <laughs> but they broke almost every single acceleration record there is. So if you haven't seen that, I'm going to shoot a short for it. So you're going to check it out. But they broke every single acceleration record. But one of them that's just like... <laughs> mind-blowing okay zero to 103.2 seconds in the electric nevera hypercar i mean what is going on now i mean we truly are in the starship enterprise and i said it before some of this stuff is crazy now that's just a wild thing but let's just get to the true pockets this is the one i want to throw out because it was just on my mind so aston martin released the db12 Aston Martin has made the best-looking Grand Touring car, I might want to say ever. And that's a strong statement because somebody's going to come in here and be like, what about the Audi or what about when Peugeot and the Citroën, like whatever, okay? All the other car companies, they might have made something that was really, really good. I'm not saying they haven't. What I'm saying is, on the record, the DB line has looked butter. Since 007, okay? Since before whoever was driving it. Was it Sean Connery? I don't know. I haven't seen all the 007s. There's a lot of them. But that's looked good since the beginning. So the DP12 was out. You'll see it floating around my head somewhere. You know the drill. It looks very similar to the DB11, right? I'll put them side by side, and you're going to shrug your shoulders at me and be like, yo, car quicks. <laughs> Dog, it's the same car. <laughs> and I'm going to say, you know what? Some of it is true, but Aston Martin has remain the same when it comes to their cars right they've always maintained a very subtle change so this one the front grill's bigger the front lip bottom part is redesigned and so the headlights and the wheels and everything give it a more muscular stance it still sits incredibly low the db11 and the 12 right now 
to me, is one of the best-looking supercars you can buy. And I count the Aston Martin DB12 in the supercar category, even though because it's like a grand tour, sometimes people don't consider it. They don't put that car in that category, but it's right there with the best of them. And this thing looks magnificent. Interior-wise, I want to point out the fact that there are buttons there, okay? And we're going to get to the lack of buttons later on in this episode, but there's buttons there meaning that you can press something and something happens, okay? You don't got to swipe. You don't got to move your eyeballs left and right. You ain't got to wave your fingers and your hands. There's buttons there. And they integrated clean design, very classic looking, and still kind of into the future. I mean, the big thing now was that the whole infotainment system isn't being borrowed from Mercedes-Benz. It's not some old system they built one from the ground up. Now, how does it perform and how does it function? I don't know yet. But it probably piggybacks off maybe a little bit of what, I don't know if Ford is still kind of controlling some of their technology or their in-house things. But Aston Martin has enough access and enough people and smart people in their whole entire group to find the right person to build them an infotainment system that can be appropriate. So that's kind of the big news, right? 10.25-inch screen. It has CarPlay, Android Auto, all that jazz. Engine-wise, we don't have a V12 right now. That doesn't mean the V12 isn't coming back. It just means that out the door, we're doing a twin-turbo V8. Now, I mean, everybody complains about the V12, and it's not really about power. The The complaints about lack of V12s, to me, is solely on sound and soul and emotion. I mean, you can't replicate what a V12 sounds like, how it feels, the way it drives, it's just a unique experience. So people that like Astros for their V12 because grand touring, big engine, I mean, it's a unique thing. They're probably going to look at this and say, man, I'm waiting for the V12 version that I'm sure inevitably is going to come because it's been in the DB11. They haven't announced that they're getting rid of the motor, so I would imagine that's going to come here. So V81, twin turbo, borrowed from Mercedes-Benz as far as the motor goes, the same AMG engine, they tune it to their specifications, but the same one used like the G63, the G-Wagon, all that. 671 horsepower, 590 foot-pounds of torque. I mean, that's more than enough power. The numbers these days, I've already said it before, they're wild. I mean, six, 700. That number there, if I say that, even some of y'all listening are going to say, oh, I mean, 671 horsepower ain't that big of a deal. Because that's how crazy it's gotten that we're talking about near 700 horsepower and two-door coupes, and people just like, that's cool. Eight-speed auto, I know. There's no Manny. Now, the old Vanquish had a manual, and I believe maybe a model after that. I mean, if they made the DB12 in a manual, I mean, it would be glorious. And I think there are some companies out there that do these wild retrofits where they put manual transmission in cars that never had them. If I had money that was no option, the V12 version of a DB11 or a DB12, if it gets a V12, would be a candidate for me to send it to one of them retrofitters and to engineer a way to have a manual transmission in it. But A-Speed Auto, you get five driving modes. You get GT, Sport, Sport Plus, Wet, and Individual. Basically just changes how the car is going to drive, how it feels when it's in different modes. And even though it says A-Speed Auto, this isn't like some slow moving eight speed auto i mean the toyota super has eight speed automatic and we already seen what those can do when the aftermarket got to them so nobody's really slouching when it comes to transmissions that are automatic anymore these days i mean it's gonna perform well and everything about it is classic to me 
this is a testament to show about car design and how it can remain clean and still be into the future. Like everything doesn't have to become ridiculous. Like there's a way to marry this all together and to have some synergy when we're moving forward. And speaking of the synergy and being able to create clean design. Now I'm, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on this, but I have to speak on this. You see it above my head. I need, I have questions that need answers. Okay. QTNAs. Explain. We got the clown shoe back. BMW after the big grills. Bucktooth beaver front grills. Hexagon octagon front bumpers. Did this? Do I see clean design? Elegance? Sophistication? A little bit of quirkiness? Uniqueness? From them? Yo, whoever this designer is, I need everybody to do me a favor. Start up a GoFundMe to protect this designer at all costs. Because I don't understand how BMW's been doing all types of foolery. And then they come out with this. So what this is, you're looking like, yo, I never liked the clown shoe. I don't like the M coupe or the Z3 coupe. I get it. Those were kind of unique designs on our own front. So even though I'm talking about the new designs not being that sexy, somebody saw those back in the day and looked at me like I'm crazy. So, you know, it can be the same thing. Kettle calling the kettle black, whatever that saying goes. But regardless, considering where we have come from and what we've seen, I mean, this looks amazing. Now, they're not obviously going to build it because that would be that'd be a little too that'd be too easy, right? You can't make something that looks this good and then release it. This is called the BMW Concept Touring Coupe. This is a production car that literally looks like it's based off the Z4 and it's the back to the old shooting brake clown shoe design. They know what they did. They know what they did. I told y'all. Remember in that episode I did about BMW design being ugly? And I said, I know what this is, a big game. They're going to come back. They're going to drop a concept. They're going to make a clean design. We're going to say, yo, they're back. What am I doing now? Yo, I came, I called it. I called it. They're not slick. They're talking about if they make this car, it's going to be $270,000 a piece. If they don't stop playing around. They can take the same drivetrain from the Supra and the Z4, put that body on it. They can charge $75,000. That's what they probably do. And they can make a little bit to the run of it. But this just proves something that I said before, that they're capable of making a clean design when they want to. They may not want to do it all the time, excuse me, but they can do it. Ain't case in point. Jump to the next thing. Back into the news we go. The new 5 Series came out. Now, prior to this 5 Series coming out, I'll be perfectly honest. BMW right now hasn't been on my best of graces, and that's my favorite luxury car manufacturer. But up until this point, it's been sketchy. Like the M2, it's not the greatest looking thing to me. Certain angles, it looks okay. It doesn't look that bad. But I'm not going to act like it doesn't look kind of... just looks bad some angles. I just can't... What can I say? Some angles, it looks bad. So when they're talking about the 5 Series coming... I'll be honest. 
my expectations were incredibly low. Considering what they did to the 7 Series, considering what they did to that wildly ridiculous XM red label, I mean, I was ready for the foolery. But I got to give a little bit of applause. They they restrained themselves. I think it might have been the same dude that designed that sport touring coupe concept. Probably was in the same room when they're doing the five series and took the pins away from them. He took them out the hands. Hey, 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 stop. You stop it. Put the grills down. He came in there and regulated. So I thought I said protect whoever that is, because they got him, they got him on there in their targets. But the new five series is out, right? This is basically also plays into the transition that's happening, right? So main, main, most of them, not main of them, most of them you're going to see is going to call I-5s. There's the electric ones, and the other ones that have a motor in it are also mildly hybrid. So it has a V8, not a V8, it has a 48-volt motor inside of it. It's a hybrid system. It's fully electric. There are no V8s. Now, before I started this episode, they were saying maybe they'll come back in, the, in another model moving forward, but pretty much... They're confirming that the V8s are dead and anything under an M5, and they haven't confirmed that the next iteration of an M5 would even have a V8 in it. So like I've said before, and I'll say it again, what are we doing, folks? We're eating the last batch. It's, it's coming. We're getting, it's getting phased out. Big boy engines, they're getting phased out. Unless you're talking about very high-end stuff like the Aston Martin I'm talking about. But when it comes to these big companies and mass production of vehicles, they're getting pushed into the rules that are political. So they're going to change and make changes so that they can keep selling and making cars. But back to the new 5 Series. You have a version that's gas. You have one that's electric. The electric one gets up to 295 miles of range if you get all the way up into a specific model. The top trim is now an i5 M60, so there is no gas power one when you get to the top model right below the M5. But that one is no slouch because it makes 590 horsepower. It has a 256-mile range, 0 to 16 in like 3.8 seconds. So you're not losing performance when it comes to what the old 550i did. You just lose the V8 and you lose that more visceral experience because that's what's happening. Another good thing is much more restrained look. That's why I said after the touring coupe and I saw this one, I actually like the way this looks. This side profile here, I like this. See, this to me is the marrying of the future, a little bit of the past, some of the present. Like it doesn't have to go to the extreme. Now, could I be critiqued the front bumper a bit and say they could have cleaned it up a little bit and that the kidney grills are still kind of large? Yes, but they're not, it's not the insanity of the 7, it's not the ridiculousness of the M series cars, even though, like I said before, we've kind of warmed up to it, but it's calmed it down and restrained it, but also pushed forward, so they want to have the grills bigger, that's cool, they've added it better here, you see the front end, this is looking cleaner, Rear end's looking cleaner because the one on the 7 series didn't look bad, it was a problem when you came to the front and it was predator face that it became a problem. But see, this is clean. I like what they're doing here. Other benefits of basically going into this newer model is that we get higher in technology. And this is what I was going to come back to about the whole buttons thing, right? 
BMW is trying to do away with the buttons, right? They want all screens. So if you look at the interior of this model, we have all screens on the front, just a big kind of curved. And no, it's not integrated as cleanly as I say should be. But I mean, what else are we going to do, right? I mean, we're talking about a screen, a slab, a screen. I mean, it's always going to stick out on the dashboard. If we were to integrate it into the dash, you'd have to get really good with curved screens. And when we get to that level where they can mold and move screens to better shapes and they don't lose any fidelity, we could start getting to the idea of having this stuff kind of more elongated or kind of curved and more dramatic design in the screen. But for now, you're just going to look like tablets on top of a dashboard. And so that's what they have here. But it doesn't look bad. See, I appreciate the fact that they kept to the sporty sedan ethos with this flat bottom steering wheel. See, that's kind of a simple detail. But when I looked at the pictures, my eyes immediately went to that. And I said, see, that's a good idea. Those type of designs is what I always said. If you're going to go into the future, I mean, at least bring something with it so we can see where we're headed, where we're going. So the new 5 Series... You have, let me find the models. You have about four different trims. The top trim is the i5 M60 model. Then we have a Turbo 4 530i with rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. That's at the bottom. Then you have an electric i5 e-drive, and that's the one that gives 295 miles of range on a charge. And then you have a Turbo Inline-Six 540i x-drive, which is, honestly, if it was me buying this, that's probably the model I'm looking at, Right. Not all electric because I do like the idea of all electric when it comes to a sports sedan that's a luxury sedan, but I don't know yet, right? Maybe I don't want the isolation away from the engine and the noises that you kind of can hear in the distance because the luxury car, maybe I still want those around. But if you want the top range, you want the electric i5 e-drive 40, which is basically the electric version of the 540i. X-Drive, like I said before, no V8 option. As far as the technology goes, the interior is where they spend most of their most of their effort, from what I can tell. The iDrive is now at, what, 8.5, I believe it is. Completely redesigned as far as the technology goes on it. Interior, to me, looks really good. I actually do like the way this interior looks, even though I'm critiquing the way the screen looks. It doesn't, it's not a terrible thing to me. It is what it is for most things. Some of the technology is getting a little crazy, though. But as when I was talking about the no buttons thing, remember a couple episodes ago, I said, yo, we need to get back to having driving gloves because the issue with no buttons is always going to be the fingerprints. Like, this is going to be a fingerprint magnet. So when I'm talking about driving gloves, like little felt gloves that don't leave fingerprints, listen... I keep talking about this. I need to hurry up and make one because this is a prime example of where we're headed. We're going to get back to old days where folks were driving with gloves on or women had gloves on to keep their hands clean. We're going to get back to that because these cars are asking for you to have non-oily fingers because your screens are going to look disgusting after one week of driving. Some of the technology in here, though, is is wild, like eye, tra you know, eye tracking lane changes, which <laughs> I'm going to be honest. When I read that, I started laughing immediately because I was like, yo, what if you were changing lanes and like something got into your eye? You just like look back and forth and the car was like, yo, where are you trying to go? And you're like, yo, chill, chill. I just had something in my eye. I, don't, I wasn't trying to change lanes. <laughs> it just sounds hilarious to me. OK, I find it funny. They have hands free, you know, cruise control at up to 85 miles an hour, which is an intense speed. 85 miles an hour, you just sitting back with your hands like this. You just 
85 miles an hour, just like this? I don't know. I don't know if I could be in a passenger seat and see you over there, you know, clipping your fingernails, and we're doing 85 miles an hour. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to look at you and say, you don't get both hands on that steering wheel. So the I, the 5 Series is coming. Summer 2023, it should be getting released. I haven't seen any, like, build configurators because I kind of like playing with them when it comes to certain cars like this I like. But like I said, the side profile, the front end, the rear, I do like how this car looks. So all of my previous hating on their design, which is warranted, okay, I'm feeling this. So good job, BMW. Keep this up, please. And the sporting concept coupe, Stop playing with people. Y'all need to build that, okay? I mean, not that I'm in the market to buy a new clown shoe, but I'm just saying, for the sake of showing people that you still got some sense of design sensibility, we got the five. It's restrained. It looks good. We understand it's going to the future. Maybe not everybody likes some of the angles. I appreciate them here. I understand what we're doing. The proportions aren't bad. The car does sit kind of high on the belt line. It's not as low slung as they used to be. I do wish we'd get back to that. These belt lines sit high as high as SUVs now. But that's kind of part of the whole trying to have. I understand these manufacturers trying to build these cars. They sit kind of high. So people that want SUVs are like, hey, I still feel like I'm sitting high. And I can see the road, even though, whatever, you can see the road even if you're sitting low. So good on the BMW. I like how this is looking. We'll see what the future holds next. We'll see what the next models bring. We'll see what the next M5 brings. There's a rumor that an M5 Touring's coming, which is, oh my gosh, my love of wagons. If they made an M5 Touring, I would definitely have to figure out how to make some more money because I can't afford an M5 Touring in whatever iteration about to bring out here, which would probably be like $140,000. That would be utterly amazing. Now, speaking about a new car that is out that I told everybody that they should not be buying, and that's we're back to the VinFast, okay? VinFast has a recall. The car is not even out. I mean, let, okay, let's just say the car is out. I don't even know who has one. So when they said they have a recall, I was back to me thinking, I was supposed to be recording people who bought this car. Who bought a VinFast VF8 that they would need to be notified about a recall. <laughs> it's wild. You know what the recall is? The main screen, the only one in the car, I can't remember if there's one above the dash, above the steering wheel, but it goes out. Just goes blank. Just goes dark on you. Why are you driving? Just black screen. Can't see nothing. Don't know the controls. Don't know where you're going. Don't You know people don't know how to use maps no more. So if the Google Maps is off, you know folks just getting lost even though they're around the corner from the house. You know what it is nowadays. People can't remember their phone numbers, let alone get somewhere. No, screen goes out. So they issued out a recall. <laughs> Again, it is just cars are costing too much money. And we got too much time to do other things to be trying to guinea pig beta test a new car manufacturer coming out. Listen, the only ones that can got able to pull this off are like Lucid Air, Rivian, and they had to pay and spend millions in R&D and marketing and to get people to trust them. And they and right now, some of their financial stories aren't looking so bright. Some of the stories coming out are like, hey, man, they ain't really making no profits because of how much money it costs to start up a new car company. So when you see something like VinFast and all the companies and all the reviews said this car is basura, 
And then later, a week later, they're like, hey, we got a recall. <laughs> Yo, sheesh. Why are we buying this thing? Yo, leave this car where it belongs, in the trash bin, okay? When they're ready, when they're ready to figure this out and they want to bring something over to the U.S. and have a new car be entered into the the foray of car manufacturers, you wait until you start seeing dealership network pop up, charging solutions being thought out. Like, don't be the first one to buy a car at $50,000 and you find out that your screen don't even work in it. I mean, come on. Speaking of the cars not working, you know, however much I love my GR Corolla and I love the Toyota, Toyota GR86 owners right now, like, word of advice, don't go to the track. I mean, another engine blew up. Toyota's trying to deny the person. The bill's like $13,000. I didn't get all the details on this, but this is this has happened before. Now, before all the other stories, Toyota came back around and said, we're going to replace the motor because, I mean, why wouldn't you? You sell the car with a track pack. You sell it with a HPDE day because I got one for my GR Corolla. I haven't gone yet. It's coming. But you sell it with the idea of tracking the car and going into that realm, into that world. To not basically stand behind what you said when somebody has a failure when they're at the track, not doing anything extreme, doing standard little HPDE day from what I could tell, and then you say, nah, you got that, buddy. 13000 Figure it out. I'm going to say that this is not the same motor that they did with BMW. Because, see, the Supra engine, Supra engine, the BMW engine in the Supra is actually been very reliable. The people that have modified them, and, I mean, they've modified them to the top. The reports back are like, the reliability after 2020 when Toyota and BMW teamed up to make the motor for the Supra, the S58 that's in the new M series, three series and the four, the reliability's up. Because the story is that Toyota stress tested that motor enough times to break it to then go back to BMW, tell them you need to change this so that this is better, has worked out. I have a sneaky suspicion this did not happen with Subaru because this boxer engine. Not to say that the GR86 is just renownedly having issues across the board, but you don't want to see any stories, even if it's like three or four, become very public where people are blowing engines at the track. Now, I'm sure in the grand scheme of how many cars are probably on the track, it's probably a very small amount of percentage, but it's enough to cause enough noise and enough people to talk about it where people are going to say, hey, I don't even know if I should really do this because Toyota isn't even standing behind their own advertisement. They got the car drifting sideways on the track, busting donuts. And then when I do that and the motor blows, they're like, hey, play yourself. Don't believe everything you see on TV. It's like one of those commercials that say, don't try this at home. And then you try it at home and it breaks. And they're like, what do we tell you? So we'll see what Toyota does with this one. I would believe that they would honor it. Replace the engine. I mean, come on, it's a billion-dollar company. You want more bad publicity, people questioning if the GR86 is a a good engine, or you just want to replace what what happened and move on. But I do believe that we're getting very close to them introducing either the G16, the engine that's in the GR Corolla, into the GR86 is like a very high-performance, like STI version or something, if if Subaru is going to be combined with it, or some... Special edition that has 300 horsepower because the GR Corolla engine has, I haven't heard a word. And that engine is handmade in the 
I can't say the, the factory, Momotachi. I don't know. It's in Japan. I can't remember the name of it, but it's hand-built there. And the care that is given is totally, I would argue, much better than what was in the GR86 as far as how they are looking over that motor. And speaking about my Corolla, we're at 8,000 miles. A little over 8,000 miles. I'm going to do a... I'm going to do a kind of a review update. I mean, I just love the car. So it's good for me to do this because I don't know too many that are up to this this much miles. I mean, I drive the heck out this car. Besides the fact that I daily drive it, but I'm not afraid to put it on the road. This isn't going to be garage clean. I'm not trying to baby and wax. And I mean, I do keep it clean. I do keep it up, but I'm not trying to just cover it and never see the daylight with it because to me it is a Toyota. I know folks do it with other cars and the GR Corolla. I see people on the forum there. They're going to PPF the entire thing, drive it only on the weekends, do the same thing, the Civic Type R boys. But I'm like, listen, I'm driving this car because I bought it to drive, and I'm only here for a short amount of time. So if I'm not driving the car, then what am I doing? Huh? Explain. I'm just staring at it, putting mods on it, telling everybody how cool it looks, but nobody can see it because I only shoot it on Instagram and drive it out of my driveway and wash it and park it. Nah, not doing that. The mods are coming. I haven't figured out what wheels I want yet. I'm... I'm in between Volk Racing T37 ZE40s, CE28s, but the wheel that is still probably going to win this battle, Desmond Riga Masters. I have wanted these wheels since forever. And I only saw a quick preview of the wheels on there, but I've seen big, fat, five-spoke wheels on a GR86, not a GR, a GR Corolla, and they look dope. Some people like multi-spoke spoke because the NK wheels that come from the factory are multi-spoke. So we already know that looks good, but I don't want to do CEs. And I know everybody says, like, yo, everybody got T37s now. It's like the RPF1s of the world, which is hilarious because, no, they don't. Them wheels are still expensive. Then they're not everywhere. So I kind of still want those, but leaning towards Riga Masters. Front lips are coming. Suspension's coming out. I'm changing out the seat soon. So things are coming. We're cooking. And videos are coming. So there's going to be more to be there. Wasn't that much news this week. But like I said, just a quick one. I want to jump in here, talk to y'all. You know, speak about a couple things. BMW, I mean, they're, they're showing some signs of light at the end of the tunnel. Okay? Like, it's not all dark. Everything's looking good. And so when I come back, maybe they'll have another episode to talk about the new M has a cleaner grill. Who knows? Like I said, they're playing. They play. But I see it. Oh, and before I go, hold on. Before I go, because it's kind of talks into something i said before audi is making in a more extreme version of the rs6 avant which is remember i told you the m5 touring listen i love wagons but interesting enough they said they're doing this because they want to transition and do one last farewell song to the v8 engines and the combustion engines when they move to electric again cookies oven munching last batch what else i gotta say you know the drill I'm going to talk to you all again later. It's Car Quicks, the podcast. It's a YouTube video. Like, subscribe if you haven't. I mean, why wouldn't you? What else you got to do? You like good food. You like good content. I'm here for that. I deliver and I serve with good plating. Respect the hustle. All right. See y'all out. Be safe. Do as you wish. Do as you may. I'm out.